Namo tassa bhagavato harahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato harahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato harahato samma sambuddhasa Friends are continuing this uh, discourse on the uh, Datavibhanda Sutta. Uh, We are up to the uh, contemplation of consciousness element, and I'm going to uh, read from the Sutta tonight uh, regarding the uh, four great elements of materiality plus the space element. One has uh, contemplated them to see them as they actually are. That is to say, this is not mine, I am not this, this is not myself. And having seen with proper wisdom, one has become uh, disenchanted uh, with these objects. And then uh, the sutta says, Then there remains only consciousness, purified and bright. What does one cognize with that consciousness? One cognizes this is pleasant. One cognizes this is painful. One cognizes this is neither painful nor pleasant. Independence on a contact to be felt as pleasant, there arises a pleasant feeling. When one feels a pleasant feeling, one understands I feel a pleasant feeling. One understands, with the cessation of that same contact to be felt as pleasant, its corresponding feeling, the pleasant feeling that arose in dependence on the contact to be felt as pleasant, ceases and subsides. In dependence on a contact to be felt as painful, there arises a painful feeling. When one feels a painful feeling, one understands, I feel a painful feeling. One understands with the cessation of that same contact to be felt as painful. Its corresponding feeling, the painful feeling that arose in dependence on that contact to be felt as painful, ceases and subsides. Independence on a contact to be felt as neither painful nor pleasant, there arises a neither painful nor pleasant feeling. When one feels a neither painful nor pleasant feeling, One understands, I feel a neither painful nor pleasant feeling. One understands, with the cessation of that same contact to be felt as neither painful nor pleasant, its corresponding feeling, the neither neither painful nor pleasant feeling that arose in dependence on that contact to be felt as neither painful nor pleasant, ceases and subsides. Bhikkhu just as from the contact and friction of two fire sticks, heat is generated and fire is produced. And with the separation and disjunction of these two fire sticks, the corresponding heat ceases and subsides. So too, independence on a contact to be felt as pleasant, and so on. Uh, seeing how the... Uh, Uh, contact arises and ceases and the corresponding feeling arises 
and ceases and subsides. Then there remains only equanimity, purified and bright, malleable, wieldy and radiant. Suppose Bhikkhu, a skilled goldsmith, or his apprentice, were to prepare a furnace, heat up the crucible, take some gold with tongs, and put it into the crucible. From time to time he would blow on it, from time to time he would sprinkle water over it, and from time to time he would just look on. That gold would become refined, well refined, completely refined, faultless, rid of dross, malleable, wieldy, and radiant. Then whatever kind of ornament he wished to make from it, whether a golden chain or earrings or a necklace or a golden garland, it would serve his purpose. So too, Bhikkhu, then there remains only equanimity, purified and bright, malleable, wieldy and radiant. Uh, friends, uh, based on not this sutta, but some other passage, uh, there is a, an idea um, among some of the schools of uh, meditation uh, that there is a, uh, a, a pure uh, a citta or a mind uh, which is uh, floating uh, free or uh, disconnected from the uh, 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 contact with the senses. Uh, 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 separated from the life process which is based on arising out of um, a uh, physical uh, living body and its and its experience um, uh, but in this case uh, uh, what the um, Buddha is uh, speaking of here is called vinyana which is a different more than uh, citta. Um, in some cases, there is a bit of a confusion. Uh, they translate it like mano, citta, vinyana, all translates as mind and sort of uh, smudge them together and so they all mean the same thing. Uh, but here, it's uh, 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 very clear in this passage that the uh, uh, vinyana uh, you could call it uh, the faculty of the mind that has the function of cognizing. Cognizing what? Uh, cognizing um, what's arising from a contact. Um, uh, another friend of mine wants to uh, not translate vijnana as consciousness thinking that that gets into a whole other uh, set of ideas that have 
arisen in modern times about the about what consciousness is, but instead um, translating it as cognition, uh, so that we don't have the feeling that uh, the avijnana is something that um, goes on and on, that has a duration of time, but rather that the vijnana is something that's arising and subsiding, arising and subsiding, and the vijnana, the the whole point, almost every time when you see the mention of vijnana, it's mentioned in terms of it. Uh, something that has the function of cognizing and has this uh, uh, strong aspect of impermanence arising and subsiding based on contact. Um, uh, So the... um, uh, uh, There is a... Uh, a purification of the uh, vijnana, which is is described in the the metaphor with the equanimity, um, where the uh, we see the uh, uh, the goldsmith uh, gradually working the the uh, the, uh, the ore to uh, purify it of all its uh, imperfections. Uh, when uh, uh, vijnana arises, it uh, typically arises together with some other concomitant factors uh, which are sometimes unskillful, such as um, vijnana, which is uh, connected with anger, or vijnana connected with desire. Um, and then when the consciousness has uh, an unskillful concomitant factor, then that will uh, uh, strongly influence the type of uh, vedana, the type of uh, feeling that comes from that, and the uh, tendency to uh, um, uh, evolve into some other kind of mental proliferation. So, um, one way of uh, experiencing that um, the problem of liking and disliking in a more uh, subtle way uh, with uh, when we're inspecting vijnana is to notice how uh, the mind likes to see some things and uh, doesn't like to see other things. So the uh, vijnana inclines towards certain objects and inclines uh, to miss other objects. Uh, but the <coughs> thing that makes the pure vijnana pure is that the pure vijnana has lost that inclination and is uh, no longer uh, selectively over-focusing on some things and missing other things. Uh, Instead, 
it's a vijnana that doesn't have any preference whatsoever as to what it experiences. It is equally able to experience an object to be experienced as pleasant, an object to be experienced as unpleasant, or an object to be experienced as neutral. And regardless of what color the object is, uh, what is the, the most uh, prominent uh, uh, characteristic that is common among all of them is the impermanence of seeing the arising and the subsiding. And so then, um, it's for this reason that uh, it's not that a, a person who has got a purified vinyana becomes omniscient in terms of being able to see everything all the time. But it's purified in, in the sense of um, uh, being um, This, this aspect of being afraid from the blind spots. Uh, this is the third, the third unwholesome root, is the root of, of, um, of ignorance or delusion. So what is delusion? It's like there's something that's right in front of us, but we don't see it. Why? Because the mind doesn't want to see that. Uh, and this, this happens to uh, beings all the time in daily life, that we, we become... Um, excessively focused on things involved with liking and disliking and as a result of being excessively focused in one way we miss other things so when uh, the uh, uh, consciousness experiences uh, the Arising and subsiding of the vedanas, of the of the feeling, of the moments of feeling, as something that is coming and passing so quickly, then that it loses the um, it loses the appeal, and one becomes uh, uh, one gains that equanimity. Um, So in that sense, um, we can see that the uh, meditation has brought us uh, close to being able to become, to um, enter the, the gate of liberation uh, by way of non-craving, by way of dropping um, that craving. Uh, the tanha. So, when the uh, our tanha doesn't arise, or when it uh, then uh, then that's that's the when we experience the the third noble truth, the cessation of suffering. There's another aspect of consciousness, uh, which is. Uh, uh, very much uh, emphasized by uh, uh, Western philosophers and scientists. And 
I don't think it's actually irrelevant to the, the Dhamma. Uh, and that is the idea that uh, it's by way of consciousness that uh, a sentient being uh, establishes a self. And that's actually the very uh, definition of consciousness in um, philosophy and neuroscience is that a being which is conscious is a, is a being which is able to recognize that it has a self. Um, that it's able to um, make the di- distinction between what belongs to itself and what doesn't belong to itself or belongs outside of itself. Um, and this is uh, uh, something that's uh, very uh, uh, sort of uh, functional and at certain times you could um, uh, question whether it's possible to really determine whether uh, another being has consciousness or not since you can't get inside of them to know what they're experiencing, you could just see their behavior. So if there's a, um, um, say, um, a plant and the plant is like growing towards the sun, does that mean that the plant has consciousness and wants to live? Or likes the sun? And likes, you know, or does it mean that it's just a, a completely blind process that doesn't possess consciousness? See? And so, uh, it's not that much of a clear-cut thing, but we know with our own experience that uh, 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 the consciousness in a, in a human being is very much involved with this um, subject-object duality that the self is the subject which is experiencing the objects. Uh, and we can pretty much tell uh, uh, with other um, higher animals, it's it's uh, it's very obvious when you um, are um, interacting with your, um, you know, a pet dog or a mouse or something like that. That you can you can see it's like perfectly clear that they have a very uh, similar kind of uh, consciousness that we have in terms of knowing um, the, the, who they are and, and that they they have a concern for their own welfare and uh, even they have a like a theory of mind, that they're able to distinguish that they have their own self and that other mice or other monkeys or other people also have their own self and they're living in society. So, so these, this, is, uh, this is from the Western perspective. Uh, in the, the Dhamma, uh, this Dhamma is leading towards the idea of a conceiving that it's it's leading towards uh, what it is that uh, um, uh, causes a being to or causes a a person to uh, uh, perpetuate an existence uh, through time and to have the experience of being trapped in the cycle of samsara going on and on uh, and and this experience of of time then is involved with a, an experience of, a, of a, uh, some kind of a continuity or an impression, and we think it's, it's, a, it's a delusion, but that, that 
because we experience that um, we had this individuality even from babies, maybe we had an individuality even before we were born or even before we were conceived, we might feel intuitively that there was an individuality and, and that it, it goes on through time and that, and that um, we're the same person that we were when we were a child or a, um, or a baby, even though that was a long time ago. And, and that, and that uh, uh, we have a concern about our future, uh, whether or not we'll be uh, successful in our um, uh, chosen um, endeavor. And so we're kind of like uh, projecting this, this uh, self-fabrication fabrication of the self is being projected forward into the into the into the future through our own efforts, which can be even if, if they're like wholesome and well intentioned efforts, even if like um, you know, one would like to become a a um, um, uh, successful as a monastic and uh, uh, gain uh, 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 stages of awakening or something like that. This can be uh, picked up by the mind in terms of a, of a conception of, of a projecting yourself into the future. And if we're doing that, then that's how we get to go on and have another life. At the, when the end of this life comes, if the mind is still involved in that work of like self-projection, self-conception, self-fabrication, then that's how it goes on. And so... Uh, this problem is also very, uh, like, uh, essential. And when the uh, the third unwholesome root, the, the root of delusion, I've always felt that the most, uh, there are several different kinds of delusions, like seeing that something which is impermanent you think is permanent, seeing something that's pleasant and you think it's unpleasant, vice versa, seeing something unpleasant you think it's pleasant. Uh, those are delusions. Uh, but the, the uh, delusion that really uh, is the most dangerous of all is the delusion about the self. So, uh, uh, which, if we have that uh, a belief, that's, that's what is the, um, the thing that uh, uh, feeds uh, so many other unwholesome things because if we believe in a self then we're uh, subject to a lot of uh, fear and desire and so the, the self identity the self belief um, the self view then um, feeds the other two unwholesome roots and when the self view breaks then the other two roots are become Pointless, and they, they wither because there's there's just nothing. What what's it for? What's what's to desire? Uh, and and so then um, uh, because of that, uh, this uh, kind of uh, consciousness, which doesn't have any preferences. Uh, and which doesn't uh, try to uh, create that 
continuity over time. When, when the consciousness, without the self-view, then it becomes possible to stop creating that continuity and able to, to see the momentary arising and subsiding of phenomena. Um, so that's um, uh, my idea of the uh, uh, significance of this last um, element. Uh, we can see with this part of the teaching uh, that the Buddha has taken uh, quite a different uh, turn. It's like the, the drift of the teaching has um, grown into a new uh, room, a new, a new domain. Uh, he, he's uh, at, the, at the very beginning uh, we established uh, uh, the uh, awareness of the uh, uh, six uh, senses and the three kinds of feeling and the mental exploration that is arising from that and then you can see then, then here after having done the, the work with, with the other elements we're able to circle back to in part to, to uh, cover on the same theme except that in this case uh, the mind is no longer um, uh, running out to explore those objects that are productive of grief and sorrow but instead the mind is just cognizing them at this state of um, pleasant or unpleasant or neither so it's like it's just staying at the barest experience of the, of the feeling uh, without building anything up about it so at the beginning the sutta was showing the tendency of the mind to, uh, to, to build something up and to um, become uh, preoccupied with something based on um, and the uh, um, uh, joy and grief the somanasa, dhammanasa the mental pain, the mental uh, displeasure and, and now now here uh, they're just uh, like the mind doesn't need to do anything about it at all it just only sees it there's not any grasping or even any like going out to explore but instead the mind is, is simply staying kind of like quietly within its own base of being, being settled in a way so there's like a still center point and the, uh, uh, the contact and the feelings is happening it's like coming and going and coming and going but the mind, you have a very strong sense of the mind being there in the center um, in a state of stillness and that stillness then is uh, what the uh, blessed one describes as the equanimity um, I'm going to um, read you the next paragraph of the sutta with this equanimity he understands if I were to direct this equanimity so purified and bright to the base of infinite space and to develop my mind accordingly, 
then this equanimity of mind, supported by that base, clinging to it, would remain for a very long time. And uh, the commentary would say it would be like many hundreds of uh, thousands of aeons, that the mind would stay in that state. If I were to direct this equanimity so purified and bright to the base of infinite consciousness, to the base of nothingness, to the base of neither perception nor non-perception, and to develop the mind accordingly, then this equanimity of mind supported by that base, clinging to it, would remain there for a very long time. Uh, so, uh, they, in the Buddhist uh, cosmology, the states of mind associated with the immaterial meditative attainments were like conceived as a kind of a world. So if one is in a certain meditative attainment and you come to the end of this life well within that state then you could uh, exist in a world that has those qualities for uh, so many hundreds of thousands of eons. I mentioned the other day that I'm not um, emphasizing about or even uh, qualified to uh, teach you how to do the immaterial attainments, but there's a very nice uh, talk by Ajahn Punadhamma about the immaterial attainments. It's the, the best and clearest that I've ever seen, and it's available on the Dharma Seed if, you, if you're interested in that. But, but here, uh, uh, the Buddha sets this up sort of to knock it down. He, he said, the meditator understands if I were to direct this equanimity to the base of infinite space and so on, uh, this would be conditioned. Uh, therefore, he does not form any condition or generate any volition tending towards either being or non-being. Since he does not form any condition or generate any volition tending towards either being or non-being, he does not cling to anything in this world. When he does not cling, he is not agitated. When he is not agitated, he personally attains Nibbana. He understands thus, birth is destroyed, the holy life has been lived. What had to be done has been done. There is no more coming into any state of being. What we're aiming for then, and I think the way that we could uh, uh, gauge our progress uh, with the effort that we're making in meditation is uh, whatever arises uh, uh, to what degree is the mind uh, got that equanimity uh, uh, to what degree are we forming some kind of identification with uh, this achievement or that achievement uh, and uh, to what degree 
are we able to have the mind uh, uh, simply be still, uh, simply to cognize the arising and passing away of experiences uh, without trying to do anything, uh, without the pull or the push uh, to do anything about it. Um, So I think this may be enough for uh, tonight's uh, talk. Thank you for your patient listening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.